open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. We're going to be uh, listening to Scripture here in a moment, but uh, looking at uh, verses 26 through 38. During this second week of Advent, we, we look at the story known as the, the Annunciation. And uh, when the angel Gabriel comes and tells Mary that she is going to have a child. And this child will be miraculously conceived by the Holy Spirit and will be called the Son of God. Now, as we prepare the way in our hearts for the arrival of the Messiah, we see a, a strange truth here. Uh, almost every other religion in the world is structured so that humanity has to make its way to God. But in this upside-down, backwards kingdom of Jesus... God comes to us. Last Sunday, we looked at Zechariah's experience in the temple, discovered that God is near. In today's passage, uh, we examine Gabriel's announcement to Mary, God is about to be among us. And in this exchange, we will catch a glimpse, I trust, of the mystery and the mission and the motivation of Advent, and also, too, see how Mary's story applies to our lives. All this wrapped up in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. And I've asked Sydney to prepare us for this video so that we can read through Scripture once again through the sand drawings of this portion of Scripture. Watch carefully. There you are. Portion of Scripture there. I think they speed that up so that I don't think someone could draw that fast. But we have this portion of Scripture here helping us, again, understand that this Advent season is something that we need to focus on in a way where there is this mystery, there is this uh, mission and motivation of Advent that I want to share with you today through this portion of Scripture. Now, just to kind of recap here about the angel in, in this portion of Scripture, the angel uh, comes to Mary, brings greetings, Mary's kind of perplexed about uh, this and wonders what kind of greeting this might be, which is very reasonable. And, uh, you know, the angel then says, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Although I'm, I'm pretty sure Mary was still afraid. Uh, I mean, who wouldn't be uh, when, when you're faced, uh, faced with an angel? Uh, you probably would sense a little fear there. And the angel points out that there is a good reason not to fear. That reason is favor with God. And God's love and care means there is no reason to fear. Then Gabriel reveals Mary's calling. She will have a son named Jesus. He will be the son of the Most High, ruler on the throne of David, the king of the nation of Israel, not just in time, but also through eternity, eternity as well. And Mary then responds. She says, how can this be since I am a virgin? And Mary's response, again, is quite typical, very understandable, quite different from last week when we heard Zechariah's response of unbelief and doubt. And in Mary's view, there is no way she could be pregnant, at least no way that she could imagine being pregnant. And the angel then responds and says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and because of this, the child will be holy, he will be called the Son of God. Then the angel also mentions that there is another miraculous pregnancy happening. Elizabeth, whom we heard about last week, is in her sixth month, even though she thought there was no way that she could be pregnant either. 
And truly, we need to remember this, that nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. As we see here in this portion of Scripture, as well as last week, too. Nothing is impossible with God. Whatever you're going through this day, or these last few days, or anticipating coming up, remember that. Nothing is impossible with God. In response to this amazing but very terrifying call, Mary says, Here am I, the handmaiden of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Mary's response is, is to recognize that's, that God's call, impossible and scary as it, it, it may seem, is somehow right for her. So she accepts the call of God, even though it means turning her life upside down. This was not the only time Mary had to accept something that threatened to change her whole life. In John chapter 2, this happened at the wedding of uh, at Cana, when J- Jesus rebuked her for suggesting that Jesus could help the wedding hosts. And then also in Matthew chapter 12, this also happened when Jesus says that his real family is not his biological family, but the ones who do the will of God. And then also in John chapter 19, this happened when Jesus was put to death while Mary watched it all. Things will be happening in her life that will be turned upside down, cause her to cling to God, grasping tightly to, her, to Him. So let's look at this mystery and this mission and motivation of Advent. First of all, the mystery. In this passage, we are told about one of the greatest mysteries of the Christian faith. And that mystery is the Incarnation. Now, incarnation simply means in the flesh. And at this stunning moment in history, God's plan for redeeming His people is revealed. No one could have anticipated His approach. He would set out to save humanity from the inside. He would become one of us. This thought would be scandalous scandalous and sacrilegious as well if it weren't true. But it is true. And what a mystery it is. The Son of the Most High God will also be the Son of the humble Mary. Our God is not a far-off deity who demands that we make our way to Him. He comes to us. He is near. He is among us. And so, knowing those things, how, how are we embracing the mystery of the Incarnation that we celebrate during this season? How are you embracing that truth? And how can you practice that mystery of incarnation as modeled by Jesus, by putting God's love in in the flesh? How can you model that in your community? What are you doing to be God's hands and feet among the people you live, among the people you work with, among the people you rub shoulders with? How are you being Jesus to them? Because God has come to us. We we have Emmanuel, God with us. How are you showing that to those around you? How are you making that mystery revealed to them? God is always moving to be found among those He loves. You look through Scripture, Jesus was always with those that He loved to be with. And He he wanted to help and, and, and loved so much. How are you 
among uh, those people who need Jesus. Are you among those who are just Christians? Are you among those who know Jesus quite well? Are you among them more than those who need Jesus? Because we need to set ourselves out among those who are looking for answers, looking for the truth, looking for hope. And if we've got that answer, if that's living in us, we need to make that revealed to them by being with those people. Now, it's not saying let's forsake meeting together and let's not go to church and let's not be with other Christians. You need that. But if that's all you're doing, then I suggest that you're probably just getting really fat and obese as a Christian. <laughs> you need to give away what you've received. And you need to make the others know what it is that God has done for you. So we need to be among other people, not just church members, not just Christians. And so the question for all of us is, is how can we become more involved in the lives of those outside of the church? And that's the question maybe you need to ask God about for you. What is it, God, that I can do? Where is it that I can go that I can be among those who are outside the church who need to hear about Jesus? The mystery incarnation. Mystery of Advent is the incarnation, which tells us that God is among us. We need to tell others about that as well, too. Then there's the mission, the mission of Advent. The mission behind the mystery is singular. It's redemption. That's the mission, redemption. In this passage, we learn not just uh, how he will come, but why. He is on a rescue mission of redemption. And to accomplish it, he steps into our world and plants himself within our context. As Eugene Peterson puts it in John chapter 1, verse 14, in the message, he says, The Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. <laughs> moved into the neighborhood. The mystery of the incarnation sheds light on the mission of Jesus. It shows us that God is always coming to us to bring us to him. So what is your mission? What is your mission in your life? Every follower of Jesus is called to engage with God's mission in the world. If we call ourselves followers of, of Jesus, then we follow Jesus in all that he does. And if his mission is to go out and redeem the people of the world, then we need to be following that as well too. We don't, we don't only just celebrate a baby in a manger. We follow our master out of our, our places of comfort into the lives of the broken. What are we doing in, in order to have that happen? And how can we follow Jesus' lead and, and move into the neighborhood, as it were? How can we bring Jesus to them, let them see redemption? What is our neighborhood? A couple weeks ago, we had a missions conference, and we had the theme of, who is your neighbor? Well, I extend that theme a little bit more and ask you the question, what is your neighborhood? What is that for you? And how can you bring Jesus into that neighborhood? How can you reveal that to those around you in your neighborhood? You know, it is our church... Is our church impacting our neighborhood with this great news of Jesus? 
on a scale, and, and, and just <laughs> don't have to shout it out. But on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the greatest, where do we fall in that? What are we doing as a church body to be able to impact our neighborhood with the great news of Jesus? I mean, do we just drive in for church and then get, get our fill and all and fellowship and everything and then drive back out? Because not a lot of us live in this neighborhood anymore. We come from a distance. We still need to find a way to impact this neighborhood for Jesus and let people know about him. Lord knows he's been placing families across the street for us. He's been placing other families over there, even though it's gated. Uh, there is a walkway around it. <laughs> but there are ways. There are ways. Are we willing? Are we willing to not just drive in for church and then drive back out? How can we invest here in this neighborhood? And that's, that's, those are questions that I'm asking myself as well, too. What is it that we can do? And I'm asking God for direction in that. But how can we give ourselves away in this community? And I think probably the, the, mo the, the more difficult question to ask is this, would our community miss us if we were not here? Would our community miss us if we were not here? Yeah, they might miss the little sign out in the corner, probably. What else would they miss? Maybe VBS in the summertime. But what else would they miss? And, and you can probably list some things, but then the question needs to come back again. Well, what else? What else? Because we always can do more. What is it that we're doing to impact this neighborhood for Christ? I think that's a question that needs to be before us and one that we need to come before God and listen for an answer. The mission behind the mystery, though, is singular. It's redemption. And then the motivation of Advent. The motivation behind the mission is clear. It's love. It's love. Advent is a proclamation of God's unthinkable love for His people. It is a love that is more than sentiment or intention. It is active and overflowing and even reckless. It, God risks it all because He is driven by love. He loves us dearly. Have you ever acted out of the motivation of love? I mean, if, if you're a parent, been a parent, you know that. You, you care for your kids out of the motivation of love. You risk it all for your kids because you love them. How are we risking it in this area to bring God's love to people? How are you involved in God's mission to love the lost around us? And that's risky. It costs us quite a bit. It costs our time. It might cost our reputation, especially with the people that we might hang out with. It's a costly thing. Are you willing to risk that? But what is your motivation? Are you driven by God's love for the lost? We need to demonstrate 
God's love this week, this Christmas season at least, to those around us. I'm sure our church can engage with God's mission in our community. I'm sure that God has a plan for us to be able to do that. I'm seeking His face. Figure out what that is. Specifically, what we can do as a church family to reach out to this community. To be useful. To let people see what God has done for us and what God can do for them. Be able to meet some needs in the community. Be able to to be God's hands and feet. To go there and be there with people who are going through difficult times, who need help. Also, too, right among us as well, you might want to even start there. Noticing those within our church family that might need uh, a touch of God's love in their lives. And we just need to be aware of that. We need to be, be willing to be used by God in other people's lives. Advent is about the mystery of God among us. It is about the mission of rescue through Jesus. And Advent reminds us that God's motivation in both the mystery and mission is His rich, reckless love for all creation. But what does this mean for all of us? What, how can we put this into practice, this, this mystery and, and, and mission and motivation of Advent? As followers of Christ, we are to reveal this incredible mystery of, of God among us to those who, who we rub shoulders with. When God calls upon us to do His will, what is our response? How do we, we react when God has, has um, led us in a direction, called us in our life to, to, to do something for Him? I think we need to take note of Mary's situation in a response to God's call on her life. Go back with me a little bit, too. Just imagine, back in this portion of Scripture again, imagine for a moment what it must have been like to be Mary. Now, guys, that's difficult. You never had a baby. Women, you're, you're almost there. You, you know that. Those of you who have been pregnant and had babies, you can identify a little bit more. But she was a young girl, maybe only 12 or 13 years old. She was looking forward to, uh, maybe slightly terrified of, her upcoming wedding. She lived in an unimportant town with an unimportant family. But one day, an angel suddenly appeared, calling her by name. The angel declared events that are tremendous, seemingly impossible, radically holy, and she questioned how they would play out, how they would come to be, but she never questioned God's choice for her as a participant. And yet she knew the culture she lived in. She knew that being unmarried and pregnant would pose a very disgraceful, critical problem. She knew that if an unmarried woman became pregnant, the only conclusion would be that she was immoral and she should be stoned to death as prescribed by Jewish law. If she were to claim her innocence by saying she was a virgin and her pregnancy was caused by the Holy Spirit, the charges of lying, insanity, and heresy could be added to that as well. But her servitude to the Lord, as seen in verse 38, won out against the possible consequences of shame and, and, and scandal. 
And her willing acceptance placed her in the position of first to experience God among us. Think about it. She would bear the Messiah, the long-awaited one. God's promises and all the prophecies she'd heard since she was a child were being fulfilled, and she would carry the fulfillment. Emmanuel, God with us, intended to dwell within her womb. God was there. And you just can't fathom that. God's flesh would stretch and bulge her own. Her body would encase the skin and bones, creation of the one through whom all things were created. For nine months, (laughs) for nine months, Almighty God would not only be among her, He would be within her. As their two fleshes separated, Mary's body became the vessel from which God with us spilled out to be shared with the rest of humanity. Pretty incredible occurrences for a girl whom the world would have viewed as a nobody from nowhere. What ultimately made Mary's life take this grand sweeping direction change? What really happened? It wasn't just that God chose her and she was carried along. She also chose God. She purposefully committed and surrendered to God's plan, regardless of the personal cost to herself. She allowed the Holy Spirit to alter her form and her future, knowing at the outset that pain, the pain of pregnancy, the pain of childbirth, the pain of a community viewing her with distrust and skepticism, all those things would be part of the picture. But she still chose God and His way. And then in return, she received the greatest present of all, God's presence. She was the first to know the fullness of our God among us. And when we, when we can hear or sense the call of, of God in our lives, many times it threatens to overwhelm us. We think, God, how can, you, how can I be doing something like this? God, why would you call me to, to be in this situation? God, why do you have me take these steps here? I don't understand this. This is very overwhelming. It can be overwhelming when we are called on by God to maybe mend a relationship that has been broken. That can be overwhelming, especially when it hasn't been dealt with in a long time. It can be overwhelming when God has called us to be submissive to the authorities in our lives, even though the, their authority might, might seem pretty far-reaching. They're doing more than they should be doing, God. I don't think I should trust that authority in my life. They're not good. But it doesn't matter. If the authority is in our lives, we do need to trust God will take care of that authority in our lives, to direct that authority in the way that they should be going. It can be overwhelming when God has called us to reach out to others who are experiencing life's storms while we endure the storm in our own lives as well. That can be very overwhelming. All these things tell us that God's will for our lives is not easy (laughs) and not what we would have chosen right now. 
If we could choose, we probably would have chosen the, the easy way, the escape route, not going the hard way, not going the narrow way. Now, in those moments, it's okay to be afraid and, and maybe even angry. You think, God, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? How come me? <laughs> but the goal for us in those times is not to stay afraid or angry. Don't remain there. But to choose to say, just like Mary, let it be with me according to your word. What you say, God, is what I know is best. And that's the response we need to come to. That's the response that Mary had to God's call in her life. Let it be with me according to your word. And like Mary, this is not something we do only once in our lives. It is a process that we have to repeat over and over again, right? You've been there before. You've come up in situations where you go, okay, my will or God's will. All right, it's going to be God's will. Got to do this. And then you, you, you move on. You go, that was a good choice. And you come up then against something else. You go, ah, this is tough. My will or God's will? Because sometimes, maybe in your life, in the past, you've chosen your own way. And you found it wasn't that great. And you've learned. And so as you come up against other moments, God's will or my will, you go, God's will. I know it's the best way. But each time that happens, we learn. And it's the process that helps us along the way to trust God in those situations. The Christian life is a long process of learning to love God's will more than our own ideas. So when you compare those two together, God's will and your own ideas, your own will, God's will should win out all the time. Now that's the goal. But sometimes in our humanness, we go, I think I know better in this situation. And then we learn we didn't. We didn't know better. But this is a difficult calling, but it gets easier when we realize that one of the reasons God brings us together as a church family on days like this is that we don't face this call alone. Each one of us here represents some kind of call on God, God's call on our life. And we're trying to follow that, trying to walk in His will. And it's pretty comforting to know that we're not alone in that. That each one of us is trying to do that as well, too. And we can come alongside one another, give encouragement. And we can help one another along the way. God puts people around us to help us understand His call better and to realize that His will really is best for us. So, have you sensed God calling you to do something difficult? Have you sensed God calling in your life to do something that you think is pretty close to impossible? Let me just help you one step in that, that direction of following God's will in this. Trust Him. Just trust Him. Trust Him for the provision. Trust Him to be uh, the one He will lead you in this. Trust Him in this. And apart from the specific call God has for each of us, the gospel itself is a difficult calling for some people because it calls us to be different from our culture. We are set apart. But there's probably something pretty difficult 
in following that call in your life. There's some things you've had to give up. But I trust that as you, you look at those things you've given up, you also look at the things you've gained. The relationship with Jesus, that close relationship that becomes tighter and stronger as each day goes along. The testimony that you have with others around you, realizing that, yes, you say you're a Christian, and you act like one. Wow. The benefit of those things. I trust will outweigh the reasoning or the, the thoughts of what I had to give up. But where is it hardest for you to believe that God's way is really better than your way? There's, there are probably some areas in your life about that. Where is it for you that it's hardest to believe God's way is really better than your way? Remember that the, the, the Almighty is among us. He is among us. Remember that. Are you experiencing the realities of this in your daily life? Are you experiencing that God is among you? Are you experiencing His presence in your life? Are there areas of your life where you need to invite God to be present? You've kind of closed off that area before. Maybe it's time, maybe today is the day where you open up that door in your life. Open up that door Allow God to come in in that area of your life. Because there's sometimes we can close doors. And we can say, yeah, God, here, but no further. Because this is, this is mine. I've given everything else. I want to keep at least something. And we can get to that point and we can think, you know, that's reasonable. We've given 95%, 98% of our life to God. We can keep that little percentage for our own, Right? And the funny thing about it is that God goes, thank you for the 95. Thank you for the 98. What's that right there? <laughs> What's that 2%? What's that 3% that I haven't seen yet? That you haven't given to me yet? We need to make sure that we invite God to be present in all of our lives, all areas. And following God does not isolate you from difficulty and hurt either. Being followers of Christ doesn't mean you're going to have it easy. You probably know that. I'm not giving you any kind of earth-shattering news. But is there a path you feel the Lord has asked you to take, but you hesitate because of perceived challenges along the way? God is leading you in a direction, and you hesitate to go that way because you know, there, there's, some, there's some challenges along the way. And it's going to be rough. It's going to be difficult. Why would you go the difficult way when you can go the easy way, right? That's where we need to, again, trust God as you take steps forward. Ask the Lord to help you overcome your hesitation and rely on the promise of His presence in your life. God is with us. God is among us. He is near. And during this Advent season, I trust that that message will ring in your hearts throughout the days ahead. That we can trust Him because of His presence in our life. I'm going to ask the band to come on up. They're going to lead us in the last couple songs, the worship team as well. And as they do, let me just remind you that the Christian life is not easy. Again, not earth-shattering news. It is hard to choose God's way instead of ours. 
Mary gives us an example for our whole lives when she says, Here am I, handmaiden of the Lord, let it be with me according to your word. Mary had to live uh, that way many times throughout her life, and her example can inspire us to choose the same way as well. Let, let the motivation of God's love within the mission to bring redemption through the revealing of the mystery that He is among us be the incentive behind following God's call in our life. Let all of that be the incentive of saying yes to God. Because, because He is among us, we choose God's will in our lives. Because of the redemption of people, we choose God's will in our lives. Because of God's love, we choose God's will in our lives. Let it be with me according to your word. I trust that can be the same prayer we pray to God as well.